This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, look, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted! Intercepted! The next the ball! Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, The Game. Scoop Duck and High Five. My name's Matt Bagley. I'm joined across the interwebs by Justin Hopkins, a.k.a. J-Hop from Scoop Duck and On3. And there's a lot of directions we could lead this podcast. I could talk about the most impressive passing performance I've seen all season from Anthony Brown as Oregon gets out to an early lead and a big win over the Buffaloes. I could talk about the rivalry, or the rivalry in air quotes, if you uh, subscribe to Jimothy Lake and his comments up in Seattle the other day. I could talk about Husky Hate Week, or I could talk about something that blew my mind, something I never, ever fathomed would happen, And it happened last night, around 4.30, the college football playoff rankings came out, and Oregon are in. I didn't see that coming. Justin Hopkins, I'm going to start the show here. Did you see that coming? Were you surprised the Ducks are the number four team in America? Yeah, I really am. Um, and, And I think more so from the fact that Really not what Oregon's done. Uh, you know, I mean, I think the resume kind of spoke for itself, so to speak. If the committee had put Oregon at five, I probably wouldn't have had much of a beef with that either. I think that's, you know, four, five, uh, you know, six probably wouldn't have been bad. It's not as great as four, not as good as five, but it's still not bad. But uh, I think to get four, you, you definitely, I don't want to say lucked out. It, it is deserved. And I think that, you know, Rob, Collins served on that committee for a number of years, and I I believe, you know, from him being involved with that committee, he recognized that, hey, if you schedule, you know, these tougher out-of-conference game, out games like Ohio State, you will be rewarded. And I, and I think that that's exactly what the committee did here. They decided to reward Oregon for traveling traveling to Columbus and playing that tough game, uh, you know, whether win or lose. Now, unfortunately, they, they lost to Stanford along the way, but I think there was obviously a bigger reward, you know, for that win that outweighed it. And, uh, you know, I, it's like you said, you, you've got you've gotten basically put almost in a win in your end situation. I think they still need just a touch of luck along the way, but it certainly makes the road a lot easier uh and and uh you know better odds uh if you're the ducks and you continue winning yeah it it felt like fate that the committee would screw oregon put ohio state number four bigger brand they could say well ohio state play in a tougher conference and well oregon lost to stanford and oregon blew their chance and i'm with you They, they turned around and rewarded the ducks for going to columbus scheduling that game and winning it. Yeah, and I, and I think that's the thing. I think that's one of those things by having a, uh, a savvy, 
uh, a smart guy like Rob Mullins as your athletic director, you know, he was looking ahead. This isn't, you know, it isn't like Oregon drew this up last year and said, hey, let's schedule Ohio State. It's not how it works. You're you're working, you know, three, four, five, six years out in advance. Uh, you know, and, and so, yeah, you go get an Ohio State or a Georgia, you know, or these teams that, you know, like an LSU that are, you know, perennial powerhouses and throw them on the resume, you know, even if they're on a down year, that's still going to be more than likely a top 10 team, top 15 team and really pad your resume. Not to mention, uh, you know, uh, I, I guess the thing that surprised me most, and I failed to mention this, is up to date. I don't believe that the, the, the other polls have given the Pac-12 any love. And that's probably not totally unfair, in my opinion, but it's pretty clear that it's kind of Oregon by themselves. And, you know, they're probably not going to get a lot of love, you know, for the wins the rest of the way this season, even though, you know, Washington will be tough. Washington State will be tough. Utah will be tough. Oregon State's going to be tough. Uh, you know, Oregon's probably not going to get a lot of love from those wins. They're going to be favored to win. They're going to be expected to win, and that's the way it goes. So, again, I, I was pretty surprised at the four simply because so far it certainly has seemed as though they haven't given the Pac-12 a lot of love. And, and again, it's probably not totally unfair. Yeah, yeah, Pac-12 won't get any love. Uh, I, was, I was just thinking about if Oregon got to the playoff, who takes their spot, presumably who takes their spot in the Rose Bowl, and the answers aren't pretty. It's like a three-win Arizona State team, maybe, maybe a, a, a three-loss, excuse me, four-loss Utah team, maybe, four-loss Oregon State team, maybe. Like, there's just a lot of ugly alternatives there. Um, and then you mention, hey, Oregon still likely needs some help to hold the four spot, and I think that speaks to the Buckeyes' schedule the rest of the way. Purdue is a really good team. They got them in two weeks. Michigan State, we know, number three in the rankings, number five in the polls. That's three weeks from now. And then Michigan, who I, I don't think is worthy of a top ten spot. <laughs> uh, what, what are you working on, my friend? Oh, do you hear that? Oh, I was pouring something out. I didn't think it was that loud, though. It was pretty quiet in here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like you're in your bathtub right now, just chilling. Oh, yeah, no, I, I'm not in the bathtub. I can assure you of that that would make for a weird podcast. <laughs> I was I was dumping I was dumping out the mop mop bucket. Oh, yeah, crossing off my honeydews, but it's uh it's all done. Okay, it's all good. I just was curious. Uh, and, and yeah, and then and then Michigan is is top ten, and I don't think they're worthy of that, but. Don't tell that to the selection committee, right? They have the Wolverines ahead of Oklahoma. So I think those are three quality wins coming up for Ohio State, assuming they win those games. And there's an argument the committee could make that Ohio State is more worthy after those games. Yeah, I, I think that's the danger uh, right now, uh, certainly. But uh, if there's one thing we know uh, about college football in any year, but especially this year, it's it, it's almost a near certainty that obviously not everyone in the top 10 moving forward will win out. And it's, you know, a near certainty as well that everyone inside the top five or six will not win out as well. Somebody's going to drop a game somewhere. Now, maybe it's Oregon, maybe it's Ohio State, maybe Alabama loses a second game. Uh, you know, I, who knows, you know, um, 
we don't know where it's going to come from. But again, I guess back to the original thought, you know, Oregon getting four uh, certainly makes the job a lot easier. And yeah, I think you need, I think you need a little bit of help along the way um, if you're Oregon. And and the hard part is, is obviously the committee weighed Oregon's win over Ohio State. That obviously was one of the biggest factors in why they were ahead of Ohio State. But it's going to be interesting if both those teams went out the rest of the way. Like you said, Ohio State might get, uh, you know, a little more love on the better wins. But again, Oregon will always hold that head-to-head tiebreaker. Yeah. Um, Ducks somehow beat the Buckeyes in Columbus, and the committee gives them the four spot in the first playoff rankings uh, release yesterday. Let's move on to some other things. Cincinnati doesn't make the top four. Did that surprise you? Um, I, I, you know, I, I suppose it's a little bit surprising just based on where the pollsters had them the last couple weeks. But, you know, again, it, it really does. You know, I guess they stuck to their guns, you know, in terms of, of scheduling tougher games and head-to-head and matchups and strengths of schedule and some of those things. So, you know, unfortunately for Cincinnati, you know, that applies that way too. You're, you're not really you know, facing uh, stiff competition week in and week out. Um, I understand that you, you know, frankly have the better record. You're, you're 8-0 versus 7-1. and But, again, I think most of us across the country, if you put Cincinnati against pretty much anybody, let's just say in the top six to top eight, you're going to bet on the other team nine out of ten times. And that's not a knock on Cincinnati. It's a really good football team. You know, there's a reason uh, Luke Pickle's name comes up in every – uh, you know, head coaching vacancy search uh, as it should. But again, you know, even on the years that Boise State has made a run under Chris Peterson, uh, you know, in some of those years, you know, they had to face that, uh, you know, same element of, okay, you know, but you guys are playing Mountain West schools every every week. You're playing schools that, you know, the worst of the SEC would absolutely destroy. So, and I think that has to be a factor. I think it's only fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's just tough to me. Like I, I think about how in the BCS era, it was so rare for a school outside one of the major conferences to get a BCS bowl game, and it was so special when they could do it. And now we have a system where that's even more rare. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 definitely uh, you know, like you said, even more rare. Um, you know, part of that is a byproduct of the committee, you know, maybe not giving them the love that maybe they should or deserve. But, uh, you know, again, even as good as Cincinnati is and they're a good football team, uh, you know, if you put them up against LSU or Florida right now, I, I, you know, I'm not so sure that they get a win against those two teams. And those aren't even, you know, the top schools in the SEC. And for that matter, Cincinnati's a good team. But, you know, I think UCLA uh, you know, some of the middle schools in the Pac-12, even a USC, could probably end up beating them. Uh, you know, we don't know until they play, but you certainly look at that talent gap difference. And and that's something, you know, I love that quote from Kirby Smart this week talking about, you know, basically you can't outcoach recruiting. You know, you go and put these, you know, high five-star and, uh, you know, high four-star pedigrees out on the field. And, you know, they're at such an advantage right off the bat because of that athletic supremacy you know it makes it even harder you 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 darn near got to coach a perfect game and you know i think that's you know what what we think cincinnati would run into cincinnati would be at such a athletic and talent disadvantage against everybody else 
you know, that they're going to have a tough time uh, out coaching, uh, you know, that difference in skill. Yeah. Um, now looking at the only other part of the playoff I'm curious about, if the season were to end today, the Ducks are the four seed, Georgia is the number one. How do you feel about that matchup? Oregon would get owned. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I I am happy that Oregon beat uh, Ohio State. I am happy that they're seven to one. I think this is a good football team, but I I have said this for weeks. I will maintain it. I think Georgia, you know, is a clear cut above everybody right now, and give them credit for recruiting really well the last few years under Kirby Smart. You know, like he said in that press conference, he's got a lot of really good dudes you know, on the football field, that gives him an advantage right off the bat. Uh, you know, Nick Saban does too, but it certainly looks like Kirby Smart might have narrowed the gap. Uh, you know, not to mention, you know, every, it seems as though every three or four years, he kind of goes through one of those years. It's not often, but he kind of goes through one of those years where they're not truly elite like they, like they are in the other years. And I think that's kind of this year for Alabama. Certainly a, a top five team, really good, really talented, could probably play well against Georgia. Um, but again, I, I, you know, Oregon has closed the gap, you know, they from where Mario Cristobal started to now. But, I, you know, in my opinion, there still remains a, a, a reasonable gap between where Oregon is right now and where Georgia is right now. Yeah, yeah. This reminds me a lot of the situation two years ago where you have that five ranking or or four ranking and you go down to the desert and lose and then a month later Oklahoma gets that four spot and they just get killed by LSU and everybody goes oh we, we dodged a bullet like we didn't get devastated by another program on national television I actually think if you get this playoff like everybody's going to celebrate everybody's going to be happy for for that month leading up to the game and talk about how big of an accomplishment this is and Mario Cristobal finally gets Oregon into the playoff and it might be best if you just ignore the game cuz that Georgia defense is going to really really do some damage yeah yeah i mean you know it's almost one of those things like it would be a moral victory if Oregon did get didn't get annihilated in the game now I, I will say this, Oregon is playing better football in the last two weeks. You know, it seems as though, you know, we saw this in the in the World Series. You know, the Braves kind of got hot at the right time, right, and started playing their best baseball at the end or, or whatever, and that happens. Good teams in the NFL get hot at the right time. NBA, same thing. You know, college basketball. It certainly seems as though Oregon, uh, outside of, you know, what I still kind of consider the anomaly, which is the Ohio State win, you know, Oregon's getting better and better week by week. And, you know, where they might be in five weeks from now, we don't know. Obviously, injury, injuries are a part of it. Um, you know, we don't know how much better they can get. But, you know, uh, I don't know how much better Georgia can get. I think they're, <laughs> I think they're, I think they're pretty good right now. Um, it is nice that Oregon's getting better. Uh, you know, but again, yeah, I think, I think, uh, you know, if you put those two teams on the field this Saturday, uh, there's no doubt if you're an Oregon fan, you're saying, okay, just, Try not to lose by more than 20. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's way off in the future. There's a pretty big game going on Saturday we should talk about. Oregon, Washington, Husky Hate. Oh, the Academic Bowl. The right. Academic Bowl, you mean. The, the yeah. Academic Prowess Championship of the World. Um, 
Do you want to start there? Do you want to tee off on that softball question? What do you think about Jimothy Lake and academic prowess? Ah, it was poor. It was just, I mean, it was just (laughs) dumb. I mean, you know, um, and you know, the funny part is you get, you know, Dan Mullen down at Florida and he, you know, kind of makes a flub talking about recruiting, you know, and everybody kind of roasts him for it. And then less than 24 hours later, you have Jimmy Lake popping off. Oh, we don't really recruit against Oregon, re- recruit against the, you know, the academic prowess teams. And it's like, bro, bro, that was, you know, your PR guys go, man, I wish we could have that one back. Right. Um, I, you know, I, yeah, Jimmy Lake is Jimmy Lake's own worst enemy. And by that, I mean, his, his apparent ego, you know, really seems to get the better of him at times. And unfortunately, when you're a head coach like that, you know, we haven't heard Mario Cristobal make, you know, too many mistakes uh, talking to the media. And in fact, it's really rare, if ever. Um, And that's somebody that, you know, really takes the time to think about those things, uh, you know, really probably put some thought into their statements. And, uh, you know, I I just think that Jimmy Lake's arrogance uh, has obviously gotten him to uh, this point because Washington as a team, and and this isn't just because I'm an Oregon guy, Washington as a team certainly seems to be trending down even its own fans recognize that. Um, I think a lot of that is arrogance on Jimmy Lake's part. And then it, again, it shows up uh, in this press conference. It was it was an idiotic, idiotic statement. And it's not just me as an Oregon guy saying that. You're reading right. it all over. Ne- the national guys are tearing him up for it. Even, even his whipping boy, John Wilner, even roasted him for it. And I can't believe Wilner was forced to you know not defend his golden boy Jimmy Lake. Oh, everybody has it out for Wilner. He gets no love from everybody. Um, but he gets uh, none for me. I'm not a Wilner fan, yeah. but that's I tell you. I tell you what. I, I will say this: John, you know, Wilner does a terrific job when it comes to Pac-12 coverage, right. like you know of of what's going on in the offices there and and the refing and the scheduling and all that stuff. He's tops in that. I get, I'll give him 100% credit for that, but his analysis of actual football and coaching uh, is garbage. Right, right. He's got his lane, the presidents and, and all the administrators. But uh, anyway, uh, I'm, I'm with you on the late comments. Arrogant and idiotic, I think, is the right way to put it like you did. And I said it this way on my show yesterday. I understood what he wanted to say because <laughs> I hear David Shaw say the same thing, basically, and and I nod my head and smile when David Shaw says. Yeah, but it makes it, it, make, it makes sense when he says it. Right. It makes we right. all know we all know that. Yeah, right. I mean, when when David you know. Shaw says I can only get a certain caliber of player because they got to get to my school, makes sense. Right, and we've heard Chip Kelly say that. I've heard Brian Kelly at Notre Dame say that over the years. Makes sense. What doesn't make sense to me is that Washington and Oregon will publicly, openly compete for the same recruits, and the kids pick Oregon over Washington. And Jimmy Lake will say after the fact, "Well, we don't compete with Oregon because you know we have a higher academic standard. We're competing for a different player." Like, no, you're not, Jimmy Lake. The evidence is out there. It was it was just so, like you said, arrogant to just completely ignore reality like that. Yeah, no, it was it was uh, it was it was yeah, it was just poor. It was. I mean, I, I mean, there, the thing is, the thing that makes it even more ridiculous is there was no reason to say it, uh-huh. right? I mean, you didn't have. You could have just said, "Hey, look, you know what? 
whether you, if you did if you didn't want to speak into the rivalry, all you really needed to say was, "Hey, look, you know what? We you know we got a, another opponent. It happens to be Oregon. We prepare the same way as we would in the other team." There you go. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. You know, I I was listening to uh, John Canzano's show on the radio yesterday, and he had Bruce Barnum, the head coach at Portland State, minnow right, one of the worst programs in in D one FCS. And even Bruce Barnum was getting punches in when they played the audio for him. Like, if 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 Portland State is making fun of you, that's bad. Um, looking at that game, Cristobal versus Lake Ducks, I think really improved offensively. But the Huskies can say the same thing about their defense over the last couple weeks. How do you feel about this matchup? Uh, you know, it'll, it'll be tough. Um, it's, it's two things for me. It's, it's tough in the fact that, uh, you know, your, your, your rivals, your conference opponents, you know, you know, each other, uh, you know, what each other's going to try and do. Um, you know, you, you, if you're Jimmy Lake, you don't have to do anything extra to get your guys up for this game. You know, conversely, if you're Mario Cristobal, same, you know, so both teams are going to come out with a lot of energy and a lot of fire. Um, and that's one of those things that probably keeps a game closer than it normally would. Um, I, I do think that as we've seen, you know, Mario Cristobal seems to kind of flourish in these situation in these, in these big game moments. Um, and it doesn't mean that he's going to go out there and absolutely thrash Washington, but I will say if Washington's not on its a game, I believe that Oregon will be pretty close to their a game. So it's, it's really going to come down to how well prepared Washington is in my mind. Uh, in this game and you know of course I feel like the Ducks should win the Ducks are favored Um, there's no reason they shouldn't win but again it'll probably be um, a tightly contested match my opinion is this if Oregon can come out hot uh, like they did against Colorado and get going early I I think they have an opportunity to put this one away and put it to bed Pretty, pretty, pretty quickly. But that's easier said than done when you're heading to Seattle. Right, right, and and that is going to be a difficult environment, a road game, and and a place where the Huskies have played Oregon pretty close the last couple times there. Um, I, I'm with you though on the form of this team and on the the A game potential. Like I, I was thinking about those those stupid Jimmy Lake comments again, out of. Out of all the things wrong with it, like the fact that it's factually wrong, that's one thing. The fact that it demeans everybody else in the room, because we all know the truth, that's another thing. But the fact that you've insulted all the players on the Oregon team by implying that they are below you, that is huge. Like if I'm a player on this Oregon team, I have extra motivation in that game Saturday. Yeah, he gave them bullet, bulletin board material, locker room material that he never should have done. I mean, that's a that is a massive mistake. I mean, there's a reason that Mario Cristobal, you know, on games like this with Washington, he's keeping himself largely in check. He doesn't want to give them one even iota, you know, yeah. uh, advantage in this game. So he's just simply going to give you the vanilla straight answers. He's, you know, I even uh, you know, Washington's a great team. We got to prepare for him. Yada yada. You know, don't give them any excuse. Don't give them any reason to come out with some extra fire. Uh, I think that's a lesson Jimmy Lake might learn this Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Media availability was just an hour ago. We're taping this on a Wednesday afternoon. And Coach Cristobal said, quote, 
every single ounce of our focus is on the game. That was a, a question, uh, or bouncing off of a question he got about those Jimmy Lake comments from Monday. Um, yeah, and, and, and I, I think back to what we were talking about with the Oregon A game, I'm with you. If they come out and play like they did against Colorado, where I don't know who took over Anthony Brown's body, but that that's not the same Anthony Brown I've seen all year. Um, that Anthony Brown and the depth in the backfield, obviously you know I'm a Travis Dye wonk. I love his game. I love what he brings. But Byron Cardwell flying across the field with wheels on Saturday and the Oregon defense getting feisty. Uh, the Oregon secondary, I, I loved what I saw. I know Colorado's the bottom of the bottom of the conference right now, but if you play like that in the first quarter against Colorado, you play like that against Washington, I think they should win this one pretty comfortably. Yeah, I, again, should. You know, no doubt about that. Or on paper, you're drawing it up. Oregon should win nine out of ten times. But, again, you know, it's a rivalry, rivalry game. No matter how much Jimmy Lake wants to play it down, it is. These two teams hate each other. The fan bases hate each other. It's one of the best rivalries in all of all of college football, uh, you know, bar none. But, um, yeah, I mean, you're playing in Seattle. That, that crowd will be fired up. Didn't get to play last year, so you've got two years of – of pent up aggression, uh, building, uh, all the, all the social media and Twitter banter and stuff going back and forth. And, you know, now you finally get to play the game. So I'm sure it'll be, you know, it'll be a pretty heated contest, but you know, obviously these guys get paid to coach so we'll see who's better prepared. Oh, I totally forgot about the fact they didn't even play last year, right? Ducks win the pack 12, yeah. but the Huskies get to hang a North division banner. <laughs> <laughs> and they did hang it. Oh my word. Yeah. Yeah. They did hang it. And, uh, yeah, now we get to put that to the test. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, that's been Jimmy Lake's pitch. And, and I, I mean, let's be honest. Jimmy Lake's under a little bit of fire here. He's kind of dug himself into a little bit of a hole there. And the, the fan base is pretty uneasy. I know that, you know, he had a couple of transfers in the offseason that are now flourishing at other places. Puka Nakua being one of them at BYU. Yeah. I mean, the there's, you know, there's their, you know, their, re, their recruiting has absolutely just fallen off the wagon. Uh, I, you know, I mean, that's, they're not even in the same realm as Oregon and that's not, that's not Homer talk. I mean, you just look at the numbers, it's not even close. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, this might be, I tell you what, this has potential to be a game that might determine Jimmy Lake's future. And I know, I know it's short and I know it might be a little bit hyperbolic to say that at this point. But I'm not so sure that it's that far out of bounds. Yeah. Yeah, I I think the hard part is I have to kind of put myself in the shoes of a Husky fan or a Husky donor. Like, you have Seattle. You do have a really good school academically. You have a, a large endowment. You have great facilities. It's got to be difficult for them to see the success in Eugene and know that they can't get it, that they can't do what Oregon does, right? Like, I, I think that really is at the heart of it. If Jimmy Lake can't beat the Ducks ever, eventually I think that'll cost him his job. Yeah, I, I, it'll cost him his job. And, I, 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 again, I do feel that, 
you know, if they don't give a good, and I, I'm not saying they're going to win. I'm not saying he's going to win. That's not what I'm saying. But if they don't give a reasonable performance this Saturday, I think it's going to put his his job into a little bit more jeopardy than than some are, are talking about currently. Now we'll see. Still got to play the game. He might end up winning. That might help. You know, I, you never know. But I think the hard part, if you're looking at this objectively, and you're a let, let's just say you're the athletic director for Washington. You had Chris Peterson. You know, they made a big push into the playoff. They were winning games, sort of recruiting uh, pretty well. You know, they were recruiting top 15, top 20 classes for a few years there back to back. Right. Uh, you know, and Oregon, meanwhile, was 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 down. You know, you beat them 70 to three or whatever the score was when you whooped their butts. Uh, you know, Oregon wasn't recruiting well at that time. You know, they were lucky to be somewhere around the low twenties, you know, for a couple of years there under Mark Helfridge and, and the, and the transition with Taggart and stuff. And now you, you're looking at it and here we are less than four years later. And, or, I mean, it's like you, you're looking at two ships that absolutely just cruised by each other in the ocean. Right. Uh, you, I mean, there's, that's a warning. <laughs> that's, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. If you need a Helfrich Taggart, transition or you need a taggart cristobal transition to get one over on oregon you need a miracle like like i remember and and obviously you can speak to this way better than i can because that's your background but i remember that taggart cristobal transition vividly and it was like oregon just dropped off a cliff overnight the talent was there kids wanted to play for the ducks and then Willie gets on that plane, and everybody jumps ship. That's not going to happen again. No, it's not going to happen again. And, you know, again, just to make a comparison, not Washington-based. You know, if you're the reason I'm assuming, or one of the reasons I'm assuming, USC decided to move on from Clay Helton, again, you're looking at where you were as USC to where Oregon is now. And, and you've gone two completely different directions uh, at light speed, you know, that's, that's a problem. So, and I think Washington is certainly looking at it that way, uh, as well right now. And I mean, if you're, if you're Washington's AD, which I think her name's Jen Cohen, you know, you got some, you got some decisions to make and that's not going to be easy. Yeah. Hey, uh, let's play the hypothetical game for a minute since we're on the topic. If Washington move on from Jimmy Lake, what would you recommend they do? As far as hiring somebody? Yeah. I'd go get Jonathan Smith, which is who I think USC should hire. <laughs> I said that like four weeks ago, and everybody yeah. thought, oh, that was stupid. And now all of a sudden, it's like, hey, more people have figured out, yeah, maybe the best coach that you need is right there in Corvallis. I mean, USC should honestly take a good look at Jonathan Smith. Washington should very much take a look at Jonathan Smith. Yeah, the only reason they're serious. The only reason I chuckle at that is I don't know how seriously he would jump um, but I agree with you. I mean, I, I think if you gave him, say, the facilities at USC and the money at USC, we know what he's done in Corvallis. What could he do in L.A.? Like, the sky's the limit. I just don't know if he leaves. Well, uh, there's I, we all know that there's one one reason that'll get him to leave, and it's it's money. And Washington's got more of it than Oregon State does, and that's just a fact. They've got a bigger base, so... If they decided that's a guy that they really wanted, you know, that's the money's going to it's going to come down to money. And I'm not saying he would jump for equal money, but, you know, I don't know what he's making in Corvallis, but it's probably like two and a half million, maybe three million. You know, they could offer him 
four million and he's going to make the jump. I mean, he, he's just going to do it. You don't, you know. And it, it, not to mention his his, his recruiting job is going to be a lot easier currently in Washington than it is at Oregon State. And I'm not picking on Oregon State, but that's right. kind of, you know, I mean, they have better facilities. They have better academics. You know, they have a lot of things in their favor. No, between between Corvallis and Pullman, I, I think those are, like like you're saying, those are the two toughest recruiting jobs in the conference. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pullman and Corvallis. Yeah, I mean, Pullman, I mean, I don't, I don't have any idea in hell how you recruit anybody to Pullman, but that's, you know, that's just me. But, it, you know, and they credit to whether it's Mike Leach or Nick Rolovich or whoever the coach is there, they obviously know, hey, we're not going to go compete with USC or Oregon you know, for the guys that they really want, you know, we got to go to that next, next tier, next wave of guys and really hope we strike gold, yeah. you know? Um, okay. So that answers that topic. Um, and we talked about the game. We've talked about the playoff. We talked about the rivalry and, uh, and those Jimmy Lake comments. I feel pretty good on the game. Do you want to get into five games we should watch? That, that sounds like a plan to me. Okay. Five games we think you should watch. I put together five games. Justin puts together another five games. And the catch is the Oregon game isn't on it. So we trust you're going to watch that one. Uh, here's some games that we think can really make your college football Saturday a full day of fun. I'm going to start first. Not a big game. Not like a top 25 matchup with uh, championship aspirations on the line. But I love good old rivalries in college football. And I love weird strategy in college football. So I got a pair of option teams at 830 on Saturday morning. CBS Sports Network. Army and Air Force. I love that rivalry. I'm looking forward to that game. Yeah, that, you know, that that is definitely one where the pageantry and, you know, all that's involved pregame and everything like that is, is very, um, it's inspiring. It's it's great to see. Um, I, I don't really have a dog in that fight. I'm not even sure who who's going to win. But again, there's no reason at least not to turn, tune in to the pregame with that one uh, and uh, and enjoy for sure. Yeah. I agree with you there. Yeah, uh, I list my first one I listed was Friday night, Utah and Stanford. You know, I do like the Friday night games when it's not Oregon. <laughs> uh, you know, that's 7.30 on FS1. Nothing really on the line there for Oregon. I don't know, you know, a Utah loss there kind of makes the Pac-12 South even weirder. Um, might keep Oregon from having to face Utah twice. Uh, Stanford win there, you know, might help Oregon a little bit on face value. So I don't know how either one really helps Oregon, but I think it'll be a good contest nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wanted to put that one down. The only reason I didn't is I just hate when the Pac-12 plays on Fridays. Like, I, I'm the high school football wonk, especially state playoffs are Friday night. First round of the state playoffs, everybody's got a big game. I hate that the Pac-12 is playing on Friday. Oh, I agree. On that on that aspect, yes, I hate it. I totally agree with that. But, yeah, uh, I mean, that's one of the five games worth watching if you're not going to high school football. Yeah. Um, I listed Ohio State versus Nebraska, nine o'clock on Fox. I think that's kind of a no-brainer. You're, you're if you're a Duck fan, you're keeping an eye on Ohio State uh, moving forward, uh, and this one just happens to involve Nebraska as well. So yeah, yeah. The only reason I didn't put that game down 
I, I agree with you. You want to watch Ohio State. You want to follow Ohio State. Hopefully they lose. I just don't think they will. Like, like to me, out of the four games they have left with uh, Purdue, Michigan State, Michigan, Nebraska's the easiest foe. So I, I didn't put them down. I think they'll roll. Yep. Yeah, I, I think Ohio State should roll, but you never know. Maybe Scott Frost will do Oregon one last solid and make it interesting. Boy, that would be something. Uh, second yeah. game for me, it's in that same window, 9 a.m. ABC. Again, no real playoff implications to this, but it's fun. I want to see Wake Forest. They've got a really weird offense this year. Number nine team in America because they score points in bunches at North Carolina. Not sure if it's a good yeah. game, but it'll be fun. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I almost listed it. Um, I, I didn't ultimately, but yeah, I, I can see that one. Wake Forest should hand handle North Carolina no problem but you never know Mac Brown pulls one out of his butt every now and then so that might be that might be that game for him yeah. um third for, for third for me was Michigan State and Purdue mm-hmm. I I at 12:30 ABC I think the reason I listed that one is being objective and I've seen this happen in Oregon you know I think Michigan State might have a little bit of big game hangover you know you had a big game with Michigan circled uh you know battle till the end probably really didn't put the focus on Purdue that you normally should have. And Purdue is a really good football team this year. So I think there's a chance for that one to be, I'll just say, I think that one could end up being a lot closer than it should. Yeah. Yeah. I, I look at uh, Michigan state Purdue as a, a warning shot really for Michigan state. Like they have Ohio state still on the schedule. They have Penn state still on the schedule. And they have Purdue, and I think all three of those teams could beat them. So, like like I said on my show last night, if any team in the top four drops out, I think the likeliest is Michigan State. So, yeah, I, I have that game as well, 1230 on ABC. I want to see if the Spartans can keep winning because I don't think they can. I don't either. I think it's a little bit of a, of, of a flash in the pan, a little bit with them, but we'll see. They beat Michigan, and... You know, again, I, I, what happens to the Big 12, or excuse me, the Pac-12 every year, you know, kind of self-cannibalizing itself, I think that'll happen to the Big 10 as well a little bit here down the stretch. Yeah. What do you think happens for Jim Harbaugh? Uh, well, I mean, that's, that was Michigan's first loss, right? So, I mean, I know he was on the hot seat uh, leading into the season, needed to show some signs of life. I mean, I think at seven and one, you can't argue that he hasn't. The offense is looking better finally. Um, I, I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's so hard in college. Again, I say this in college football: uh, the lack of viable head coaches out there, uh, I think, is few and far between. Now, do you want to be stuck maybe in that rut that you're kind of in if you're Michigan? You know, you, you're not really looking like you're going to turn the corner all the way, but you're not actually bad either. Uh, you know, I don't, uh, uh, I don't know if, you, again, if I was an athletic director and I ever ran a school, you know, at this point in time, given the, the current market conditions, I'm almost, almost outside of scandal or something like that. I'm almost never firing the guy I have now, unless I'm positive I can upgrade. Wow. And, you know, that's, that's the way you got to look at it, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I just can't imagine him lasting. You, you can't beat Sparty, and at the end of the year, we're going to say you can't beat Ohio State because I, I just, at this point, I can't fathom Michigan ever beating Ohio State with Harbaugh. 
and um, you, you just kind of wonder why. Like, why why have him there if, at, at a program like Michigan if you're nowhere close to a national championship? I I don't disagree, but at least to his credit, he runs a, a clean program too, and you know that there is something to be said for that as well. Um, he's putting guys into the league. You know, he's getting his guys developed. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you're Michigan. You know, you're a you're a you're a top. What are we going to say? Top five, top six. You know, maybe top seven program in the country. You've got a ton of tradition. Uh, you've got a huge alumni base. Tons of boosters. You got plenty of money. There's no question about money. Um, yeah, I mean, but again, who else are you going to get? I mean, you're not going to get Ryan Day. He's not going to come over. You're not getting Nick Saban. You know, you're not going to get Dabo. Who are you going to get that you think takes your, you know, your program? I mean, look at PJ Fleck. He just extended for like eight more years or something at Minnesota. You know, who knows? Yeah. Um, game four for me, I put this down just to see, just to get a feel, you know, for, for teams that will stay in that four. LSU going to number two, Bama, 4 o'clock on ESPN. I wrote it, too. I don't know why, but that one, to me, just has some of that, you know, bayou voodoo surrounding it. And it seems to be, you know, I mean, would anything give Ed Orgeron more satisfaction than, than you know, leaving LSU having be- beaten Alabama? And, and I know he's got a couple more games, but you get my point. I think uh, I think he'd love to play spo- spoiler in that one. So I, I wrote that one down as well. Yeah. Yeah, and then USC, Arizona State, 7.30 on ESPN. The only explanation I have for that game on my list is Pac-12 After Dark. Yep, Pac-12 After Dark. I wrote that one down as well. USC, ASU, I think with me also writing down Utah versus Stanford. I recognize Stanford's part of the North, but Utah's part of the South. You know, you, you're kind of, you know, Utah, USC, ASU, all three are kind of just hovering along with UCLA, you know, looking at that Pac-12 South, uh, I guess, conference representative or whatever you want to call it. So, um, yeah, I, I think that if you're an Oregon fan, you're kind of keeping an eye on who you might face in the South, and, and it could be any of those three teams. Yeah. Yeah, somebody built a flow chart, with like a like a visual uh, diagram that you might use for an algorithm in, in programming. Uh, they built a flow chart detailing the scenarios where Utah could win the Pac-12 South. And I, I just thought about it, like how, how zany all of that is, all the different machinations that have to happen for them and for Arizona State and for UCLA. And, and for it's just such a debacle. It was, the, it was the best division in the conference by far a month ago, and now it's just complete mess. Yeah, it's definitely a, cl- a complete mess. That's exactly right. But again, you know, I-, I think if you're Oregon, you want somebody from down there to start winning and consistently winning so that you're facing maybe, hopefully, a top 20, 25 component in your opponent, excuse me, in your uh, in your conference championship game. That's right. the, that, that would that would be ideal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at, at the moment, it looks like the only two quality wins in the committee's eyes are Ohio State and Fresno State. Yeah. Yep. That yeah, that is all you got right now. And, you know, if Stanford can kind of win out moving forward, that makes that look a little bit better. Um, and like I said, if somebody from the South wants to actually 
man up and start winning football games the rest of the way, you know, you might sneak somebody in there that's ranked in the top 25 and play against them, and that definitely helps too. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I have my five games done. Are, are we still yep. missing one of yours, or did you have five? Nope. That was that last one we both had, so cool. that was it. Cool. Okay. Well, let's move on. We got lock of the week, and then we'll wrap the pod. Lock of the week. I give a prediction. Justin gives a prediction, and we feel so confident about these, we lock them in. Our locks of the week. I'm going to go first. I think that when you look at the Oregon offense, it's easier to project running than passing, right? Like Anthony Brown has played out of his mind the last two weeks. I have a really tough time saying he can do it again based on what I've seen this year. I have a pretty easy time saying the freshman running back from San Diego, Byron Cardwell, is going to go off again. Over 100 last week, he was like lightning flying down the field. There was a, uh, a radio call where Jerry Allen wanted to say he may score, and then a second later, Byron Cardwell did score, just, just soaring to the end zone. My lock of the week is that Byron Cardwell goes over 100 yards again, adds a touchdown, and has back-to-back 100-yard -back games to kick off his Oregon tenure. It's a great call. I mean, Oregon's going to need to lean on the uh, run game this week, uh, as they do every week. But I think when you look at uh, Washington and the way they're set up, you know, it's it's going to be, uh, you know, pretty necessary for Oregon to run the ball consistently. I do think that Anthony Brown, for whatever reason, seems to kind of play his best ball away from Autzen Stadium, although he played well last week. Um, but at least, you know, his veteran presence, he's a guy that, that plays pretty consistent on the road, too. Uh, I'm glad you went offense because I'm going defense. And the the guy I'm going with is, is an obvious choice, but I'll give the reason why. I'm going Kayvon Dibodeau uh, with three sacks in this fo football game. Uh, and the reason that I'm going with a three-sack performance from Thibodeau is because, as you'll recall, a major momentum swing in his recruitment was when he was on hand to see Oregon beat Washington in Austin Stadium. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he recalls that game vividly. He notes that widely as a turning point in his recruitment the rivalry in this game is not lost on him i think that he's looking to you know you're talking about the the game's going to be a 430 game so there's going to be a lot of eyeballs tuning in I, I think he heads to seattle to make a statement and that seattle offensive line excuse me washington offensive line uh will allow him to eat and i think he's going to do do exactly that i'm saying only three sacks but he's going to have a i mean he's going to have a handful of pressures uh, and other big plays. I'm just I'm calling a huge game from Kevin Thibodeau this week. I like that. I like that. Not only is there the 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 um, the aspect of you know this is a really special opponent for Kevin Thibodeau because it's the first team he saw Oregon go up against, but I also love the fact that he might ball out in his last Oregon Washington rivalry game. Yeah, yeah, you certainly want to kind of leave a, a, a mark, you know, on your legacy. And if you can, you know, doing that against uh, Seattle, uh, Washington. Why do I keep saying Seattle? But Washington, same place. Right. Uh, would, would certainly ring uh, ring in the memories of, of Duck fans everywhere. Yeah, yeah, that would be something. Okay, um, I feel pretty good. Anything else that, that you need to get the word out on? Anything else we need to talk about? No, no, I don't think so. Uh, we just, you know, we keep 
uh, you know, keep grinding on the podcast. If you're a, a scooped up subscriber, hopefully you're enjoying the release of the database with on three, which will continue to improve, um, you know, which will continue to add things, but a lot of, a lot of great things going on right now. And, and it's an exciting time to be a duck, especially as basketball, uh, has basically started up at this point as well. Yeah. Yeah. Regular season a week away. I'm looking forward to watching Nate Biddle pride of Southern Oregon, donning the green and yellow and having some great success. Also want to see what those Oregon ladies do this winter. Cause that team could be special. Um, thank you for listening. As always, we, we've gone through a transition where the old podcast links and the new podcast links are different. So if you like the pod, if you found us on whatever app that you listen, share it with a friend. Give it to another Duck fan and uh, maybe help them find this podcast because we think it's a pretty good one. My name is Matt Bagley. Justin Hopkins was with me. Thank you for listening. And go Ducks. I can do this now.